Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike here. Welcome to Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast. Hopefully your favorite vintage card podcast. I don't know how many are out there, how many you listen to, but uh, I do appreciate you listening to this one. And I appreciate you being here this week. And uh, yeah, today we're going to dive into a topic that I haven't done an episode on. And the reality of it is I've been totally remiss not having this guy on my show. Uh, he and I have known each other for years and been good friends within the community. Uh, that's what's so cool about the community is there's just so many different people out there that share things that that you like. And I, I think there's just a lot of mutual respect in the community overall. There's certainly people that, that don't get along with others, but they probably don't get along with anybody. But the reality is most people in the community get along. And it's because we all share this love for little cardboard pictures of dudes in tight pants. And, uh, and the older, the better for me. And uh, this guy is great because he loves old stuff, new stuff. We're going to talk about kind of his broad spectrum of collecting. I might as well bring him on because I'm just chatting him up so much. He's probably getting blushing in the green room. But uh, it's not right. great. Mr. O, Mike O. What's up, Mike? Appreciate you having me. Definitely starting to blush. You just talk me up way too much. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, as I mentioned, we've known each other for a while and which it does feel like community year, like time creating content and knowing other people in the hobby is like dog years, like one year equals seven because, you know, time moves fast in the hobby to me. And, oh my gosh, another national's coming up. It's like we, and we get done with the national and it's like, God, we have to wait all whole 12 months. And then here we are, you know, five weeks away. It is crazy. And time, time flies when you're having fun, right? And when you're Great playing, playing around, watching uh, baseball card videos and collecting cards, you're having fun and that time flies. And next thing you know, you're like, wow, 2015 tops is seven years old. Like, how is that a possibility? <laughs> right. Yeah. We or were... you start talking about, you know, baseball teams before the uh, show, we are talking about the Marlins and Rockies. And I'm like, oh, they're like 20 years old. You're like, oh, try 30. I'm like, 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. It's it makes crazy. you feel really old, really fast. And, but that's it. But cards make you feel childlike, right? Which is good. You kind of don't, time doesn't really play a whole big factor into it, which is good. You, you lose yourself in it. And, and that's one of the joys of collecting in this hobby. And you, you can lose yourself in the friendships too. You can, there can be guys that you and I will see guys at the national that we haven't seen since the last national and it won't matter. You'll pick up right where, you know, it, it'll be like you just left them last week. Right. 
Yeah, the national is it's crazy and it's definitely one of those things people there's a disconnect you can tell with some people in terms of the national like they just they don't understand like beyond the show itself, right? We get it's expensive to get to and you can't not everyone can necessarily get there every year, but when you are able to get there that's what makes it so special. Not only is it an incredible show, not only is there amazing things just to look at, let alone potentially purchase, let alone add to your collection, but the connections, um, either meeting new people and building stronger friendships, getting to actually know people who you are aware of through YouTube or whatever you, um, however you get your content. And then the people you know, and just getting to kind of know them deeper and reconnecting. It's it's really hard to describe. Sometimes I've described it either like a family reunion or even like, I don't know, getting together with like buddies from high school or college that you know that you haven't, you don't keep up with day to day because everyone's busy. And then once you get together for a day or two or three, it's like you fall into old times and it's just, it's it's really hard to explain it's something you have to experience. It's just incredible. And obviously like uh, everyone else, I'm looking forward to AC aim for AC in a few weeks. It'll be here before we know it. And then we'll be longing for Chicago 2023 right after that. But is that like official? I mean, I think we know it's going to be in Chicago, but is anything technically officially announced beyond this year? I feel like they didn't do it. Did they? Yeah. They published next year. Uh, what I think is really up in the air is 24. Yeah. Will that be Cleveland again since the IX Center is open? God, let's hope not. Um, actually, I like the show floor in Cleveland. It's actually wide oh, aisles. Oh, yeah. it's The center itself was fun. It felt like you had some room to breathe. Yeah. But of course, things are a little more spread out for sure. In fact, that's the first time you and I met in person. You probably don't remember this because it was more memorable for me meeting you. Oh, I'm I, pretty sure I remember. Because I feel uh, like that we was met, 2018 uh, at the at the in Cleveland. It was, um, was over by the um, baseball card exchange booth, wasn't it? It was. Well, we we walked over there together, and uh, you were like, "I was videoing you because I watched this video the other day." As a matter of fact, just it's fun to go back and remember and and reminisce. And you said, "Oh, we came over here to baseball card exchange. It's a great place to go, but." I think baseball collector already bought all the good deals <laughs> like that. You were, well, you probably did. I, I bought a few. Uh, they don't do that. They didn't do that last year. Well, there's no reason to do it last year. Exactly. We'll see about this year. Yeah. It should be interesting to see always a great place to go check out, but I agree with you totally about the event part of it and the people that are in the hobby only for the money side of it. I get it. You know, it's expensive to go and stay and food and hotel and all of that. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't go for that reason. I like finding great deals on cards, like you said, and, and looking at all the cool stuff that you can't see anywhere else, uh, even on eBay or whatever, but it's, it's the folks, it's the people. It's funny. I was at a show, you mentioned something earlier about being at a mall show and someone recognized you. And I remember being at a Dallas show one time I was at a dealer booth and I was just talking to the dealer 
And the guy looks up at me and says, I know your voice. You do a podcast, you know, like they had never seen me because they only listened to this on the podcast. And so I've, I've had that before as well. Yeah. Except uh, I was told it's like, I love when you do the shows with that guy, uh, that guy, Ed Wesker Griff. <laughs> so I, I guess the other guests weren't as memorable, but right. Which, by the way, you do have a podcast called Hobby Talk, right? I do. Which you do semi-regularly is probably the most nicest way Spor- I can say Sporadic. Sporadic. Yeah. I'm overdue for an episode. Well, uh, if you listen on podcast and you just want to go listen to people talk about the hobby, great people talk about the hobby. Hobby Talk's a great listen if you're listening on a podcast. If you're on YouTube and you're watching this, you you know who Myco is. So uh, you've been around a long time and you've been doing content since what, 13, 12, probably around then quite Somewhere a while. Yeah. And what's cool is you and I both, you more than me, but we, we, we bridge this gap. There's people that come in and out of watching and, and consuming content, whether it's podcast or, or YouTube, uh, they, they kind of go through cycles. Like there's people that don't comment or I don't think watch my videos anymore that might've five years ago. And now new people popping up, Oh, just found your channel. I'm like, where have you been for seven years? But it's funny how that cycle goes and that the, the different styles of content creation has changed dramatically in the time you and I have done it right now. And you said it before the show showing cards now is like, people find that boring for some reason, which is the whole reason we all did content to begin with. Right. Yeah. I remember actually Atlantic city, uh, the last national in AC, I brought, uh, a decent camera with me, you know, not like an $800 camera, which now would be considered a piece of junk. Right. Right. With the camera crews that go around to some of these shows. But like back then it was like, you get this camera with like a lens and stuff. And I just brought it cause it, took great footage and it was like that was like high-end youtube content back then i was actually editing it um i mean now i get like a lot of people and i just you know use the phone for most of my stuff um but it's weird because things have changed so much now and it's it seems like it goes through different cycles too it's like everyone wants a two-minute video now everyone's putting out like hour-long videos podcast um live sessions with guests that are like an hour long. And I personally love that content. Cause I love listening to that stuff. When I drive, I rarely, unless there's a baseball game on, on the radio that I'm trying to listen to on my way to or from somewhere I'm plugging my phone in or Bluetooth and my phone into the car and I'm listening to YouTube and you know, you want a longer, I don't want 10 videos playing. So I'll listen to some of the longer format stuff. And you know, for a while it was box breaks and it was PSA reveals and it's showing off your collection. Now, a lot of times it's either just talking about the hobby, talking about news or a topic or financial advice on the hobby sometimes too, which, you know, can, can be, be uh, good or problematic. I think right. problematic more times than not. Well, we try to stay sticking with the hobby side of the hobby, right? And And for I know sure. you're a collector and you and I, share a lot of things. We share the same hairline, which is good. Uh, we both have facial hair. We're both wearing sure. some type of eye enhancement, right? Of course. You want to and, be able to uh, see the cards as well as you can. That's right. Uh, and the older I get, the more I need it. But 
we also share a love for just the cards and the history and, you know, what it means. And you're a Phillies fan, right? So I want you to talk about how you kind of became like this. And what's cool about what you do, Mike, and what I've always admired about your style of collecting is you, you're so, you're, you collect everything. You open new boxes, rip stuff, you waste your money. That no, I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry. I said that. I, I, I do. <laughs> no, I, I know you love it. You know I'm kidding. But the you you break new stuff, you love vintage, but you've gravitated. I think I've seen you kind of really r- appreciate and enjoy the vintage side of collecting Phillies cards and, and looking for unique Phillies items. Um even really just Philadelphia, not just Philly, some A's stuff, you know, you'll go back and get, but talk about that development. How did that start for you? Where has it, how has it changed over the last few years that I've been watching you do that? I mean, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but I, I do watch some people and, you know, I know people are laser focused and it's like, I can't do that because I just, I do love it all. Like I obviously I don't open as much as maybe I would have three, four years ago because whether prices are coming down a little bit in the hobby or not, the prices of boxes and wax has gone up substantially. Obviously retail, you can find it a little more now. Prices have still gone up. $20 blasters are now 30 bucks, but I enjoy opening the new products. I I think it's fun to collect the players you're watching now. I think it's fun to see how these guys develop and such. I enjoy collecting the current Phillies. Um, But there's something also special about collecting cards from different eras, at least team-wise. 08 team, for instance, a team that went on and won the World Series. I think it's fun collecting cards that mean something to you from your childhood. I think it's fun to collect vintage and I'm loving pre-war as well. So I don't know. I think, I think collectors do mature over time and kind of change and you're going to evolve and develop a little bit. So I'm never going to not open stuff, but certainly at a certain point, you're going to open a little less and spend some money on, you know, specific cards you want. And I don't know. It's it's so difficult because, you know, I, I'll watch some of your videos and it's like, I, I think the player r- runs are really cool. Um, I enjoy collecting Hall of Fame rookie cards as well. I enjoy collecting vintage players that have some sort of connection or meaning. And I think it's just one of those things you start out on, you get comfortable, you know, you're opening something new and then you kind of start testing the waters with some vintage stuff. You feel a little more comfortable with it. You buy a little bit more. Same way with pre-war, like even though once you're in vintage, vintage specific, vintage is like the easiest thing to collect because it's one card for a player per year. But I feel like when you, all you know is the modern stuff, for whatever reason, people, you know, feel like vintage is so complicated and they're kind of nervous to dive in, whether they're afraid they're going to get ripped off or they're not going to know what the pricing and really it's, you can kind of find pricing based on grades. And I guess you also have to kind of be comfortable with what you collect in terms of grades. One of the great things about vintage pre-war, all that stuff is like these cards were meant 
and they have a story behind them. So they're going to be a bit beat up. You can, you know, you've done it. You can save a lot of money picking up, say, a PSA 2 that has incredible eye appeal. What's wrong with that? A modern card, it's a 9 or a 10 most of the time. Obviously, you have cards that are be lower graded and such. There's just so many aspects. So I'm all over the place because that's kind of the way I collect. Yeah, but you, I love uh, your ultimate tops Phillies team set, for example. How did that originate? How long did it take you to do it? Because uh, Phillies have obviously been around for the entire lifetime of tops and then some, right? They go back to the late 1800s, right? I think. Yep. 1883. They've been around for a while. They've lost a whole lot of games over that span. They've lost more games than any other franchise, if I'm not mistaken. That That is correct. They okay. have surpassed 10,000 losses. They did that a few years ago. And um, you've only seen a few of those though, not 10,000 losses. Only a few. Unfortunately, uh, one this year in Philadelphia yeah. against the Texas Rangers. So yeah. Yeah, we swept you, actually, if I remember that series well, correctly. You know, hopefully coming up, uh, that debt will be repaid, but we'll see. Um, but how did the tops thing start for you? I know you probably just had a bunch already. It made it easy. Did you have a jump start on that? How did I didn't that have like a crazy amount. Like I had obviously some of the junk wax era ones and some of the modern sets. I just, I remember like, Thinking about like, at first, I think I wanted to do one card, one slabbed card for every top set that ever came out. And then like, somehow I'm thinking about, I'm like, why would I not build Phillies team sets? I just started looking into, and I had to obviously pick up a lot of the old stuff. Um, my dad gave away all his cards when he was younger, so he didn't save any for me, um, which is unfortunate. But then I had to go, you know, rebuy them. Um, but I, I mean, it took several years to put together, uh, and that you talked about before we were talking a little bit about the community, actually the national, was it the Cleveland national? I think it was that Cleveland national where Andrew Nuff said cards helped me pick up the last card at that time that I needed for like all the base cards. Was it a 51 Bowman card, if I remember right? Well, it was a 51 Tops because I just did the Tops in the binder. Okay. And I know a lot of people say it starts with 52, but I was like, I'm doing everything. I'm starting with 51. No, it's 51. They're cards. And so found a great copy of that, snapped that out of the case because I had to go in the binder, Um, got a good deal on it. Forget what the price was. I'm sure now on pricing, it was even a better deal because it was five, six years ago at this point. But it's one of those things I just started and, you know, obviously there's certain sets. If you didn't have an 86 top set, you could pick it up dirt cheap. It was just fun to put together and build up. And, you know, some of those early 50 sets, picking up the high number cards could be a little challenging, a little pricey at times. You're kind of like, this card's a little expensive, but some of them you just don't come across that often. Uh, you know, browsing eBay, browsing shows, would definitely have some people in the community be like, Oh, I have this card. Are you interested? Or do you want to trade? Or sometimes I'll just send it to you. So it was a lot of fun to put together. And obviously people on YouTube and other collectors I knew, knew I was putting it together, but I never told my dad, I do a lot of um, collecting with my dad. Like he got into it. He was into it with me when I was a kid and then he was out of it. And I got back kind of doing more stuff. He wasn't really 
paying attention to cards again at all. And then after he retired, I don't even remember how he like, I don't know if he found one of my videos somehow or if I was showing him something, but like somehow he became interested. He loves opening stuff too. You'd think he'd be into vintage stuff. He just loves opening packs. So that's actually another reason why I continue to open newer products. But like after I finished that set, I remember the entire set is in four binders. I did it all binders so you can look at them, enjoy them. And I was like, hey, I, I've been working on this project for a couple of years and I was showing it to him and he's like looking at it. And it was just fun to see like see him looking at it and his eyes kind of light up and then start talking about it. Like, oh, I remember this guy, this friend would like this. My brother liked this guy. I remember liking this guy. I remember going with, you know, my father to this game. I remember going with your uncle to this game, you know, watching this player, stuff like that. So it was fun as could be for so many reasons. Um, personal can connection for sure. It's One and it's like things. and it's a timeline. Like it's there's the artistic aspect of looking at how the design, you know, you flip through the binders and see how the designs of the cards have changed over the years. You actually can see how you know, the uniforms maybe evolve a little bit. You see how the rosters develop, especially when it like leads up to a memorable team. You see how even the hairstyles and facial hairstyles evolve. Like there's so many cool aspects to it and yeah. seeing kind of players careers evolve. And it it's just, I always encourage people like, listen, if you're a team, if you're a fan of a team and if you enjoy collecting, like, it's a project that for a lot of teams is very doable, especially if you're a fan of a team that hasn't been around since 51, like it's even easier and it's the pretty Rangers. affordable. Unless if you're a Yankees fan, you might be out of luck because you're right. going to have a lot of very pricey cards, but otherwise you're going to have a few pricey cards in there for sure. But generally speaking, especially if you're willing to go a little lower end in some cases, it will be pricey if you, especially if you're starting from 51. I mean, you're talking about like 70 years of team sets. It adds up quickly, but you don't have to do it overnight. Yeah. As a Rangers fan, they started their first year of cards with 72. So, you know, that's 50 years, which is still a long time, but uh, not 70. And I have almost every team set uh, for the Rangers. Um, I haven't done something like that just because I'm so focused on the Hall of Famer side of it. But I love that you do that. And it's something that can keep going forever. Right. I mean, it doesn't stop. It's like the real life tops, you know, living set. Right. It's and living. that is another thing. Another aspect is it's never done, which is fun because you do complete it. But then you have something else to look forward to. Right. I have it completed 1951 tops through 2022 tops series two. I get to look forward to tops update. And then after that, 2023 tops presented by fanatics. Um, right. But uh, you know, there are some cards I still technically need some of the super short print image variations is a handful that I'm still looking for, but all the base cards are there and it spans four binders. I brought one just to show you real quick, but you got 51, you know, which, where is it? It is 
I think it was the Del Ennis. That was the last card I needed at the time. So shout out Andrew Nuffsay cards if you're listening to the show. Appreciate it. You know, you've got some 52s there. Richie Ashburn, Robin Roberts. So it's it's certainly fun. 53. Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely love the design. The only unfortunate thing about 53 is there's no Richie Ashburn. But, of course, 54. This first binder spans all the way to 1975. So... So you do, let's take the newest, you just said it, 2022, for example, you'll do Series 1, Series 2, and Update, right? Yes. And actually, so different years, I will try and add as much kind of like bonus stuff as I can. Certain years, some of the uh, factory team sets that they put out, like they sell to stadiums and such, sometimes will have like an image variation, and I'll pick that up. Uh, this year, I don't think there were any Phillies in there that had something different but and last year they didn't actually produce them but most others like Harper's first year there's a different image that was in that so you know throw it in there as a bonus why not same design and such but it's all flagship all flagship yep and what's cool about being a team collector I think too and, and maybe you can talk you've talked about how it's so obvious to see why you love it and why it's why it connects to you and why it's important to you. What didn't you like about doing it? Is there anything that you went, God, this kind of sucks. And to me, it might be, I'm picking up this common, essentially that's a happens to be a high number and I'm paying this crazy number and I don't even know who the player is or something. Does that, did that ever bother you or what? Are any I mean a little bit because you're like, Oh, this card, you know, feels like it should be priced, you know, about 99% lower than it is, but you kind of understand because then when you're looking for it, the search is fun and frustrating because there are certain cards, some of the high number cards, like all you would find are great. At, it was harder to find a raw copy. And then, yes, I would love a nice card, but I'm like, that card's cool. I'm cool taking a beater for say 75, 50 bucks, whatever. Like, I don't need the pristine card for $700. Like it's right. just, it's not necessary. Um, actually one of the more expensive cards in there is uh, it's the Willie Stargell rookie. Cause there's a Philly who never made it on his card. So that one was kind of, it's I'm like, Oh, this is a cool card, but you know, but I have everything in the binder. I have a beater Mike Schmidt in there. I bought a, you know, one that's not terrible. It's probably like a two or three. I, I have a seven in the collection as well. So I'll collect graded stuff as well. But it, it's fun. I mean, right now there are a few short prints I need from like, I think there was like a John Cruck in 2013 tops and I've been looking for it for three years. I literally have not seen it. Absolutely nothing on eBay. It's one of those that you don't see it. It's There's probably some in comment boxes somewhere. Right. You just don't come across it. There's a few super short prints from a few years ago. Sometimes that's the one thing that is kind of frustrating. So Nick Williams, former Texas Rangers prospect involved yeah. in the Cole Hamels deal, actually had a nice year or two with the Phillies, then kind of lost his job to Bryce Harper. And then pandemic year kind of, I think, messed him up. He is one of those guys who doesn't have a job in the big leagues right now. He is a super short print and some guy was holding one hostage for like a hundred bucks. And I'm like, 
I guess eventually someone bought it. I didn't. I would make offers that I thought were very fair. Guy didn't accept it. At some point, I'm sure I'll find it. I think that's probably the more frustrating part because I can at least justify the card from 70 years ago that's a little shorter printed and is very difficult to find. And this is a card that I know is absolutely in common boxes somewhere because someone was, you know, just like, it's Nick Williams and they didn't notice it was a different image. Right. But overall, it's a blast. I love it. It's fun. It's it connects generations. It connects memories for family members. Like for me, I look at like the eighties stuff and I remember like these guys as a kid that you thought were like incredible. And you look back and you're like, yeah, they weren't really as good as I, uh, (laughs) you know, thought back then. And then, uh, you know, you have the guys from like the 93 Phillies, which is just like an incredible, like, team that's just beloved in philadelphia you have the 08 guys you know you have some you have the ty wiggintons from the 99 loss teams as well but you know you have all these guys careers and it's super fun to collect so what when did you shift because you mentioned it and i want to touch on it briefly at least you started going into even pre-1951 and like are you first of all are you doing the bowman sets from the early 50s I mean, it would be cool, but I haven't at this point done it. It's at some point, perhaps I but do have, have um, oh, have yeah, I, yeah, I absolutely have some slab. I actually have, uh, what the heck is it now? Now I'm blanking out if it's fifth. I think I have the 50 set. I actually picked okay. it up. Like they're all very beat up, but I picked up a 50 set a few years ago, really cheap. Um, but I, I would probably do a binder project maybe with that or a top loader project because there's only a handful of years. It shouldn't be anything crazy expensive. But it's one of those things I'll just – I just like picking them up. It's fun to follow. You see good deals, you pick them up. Yeah. What about – do you have a 49 Bowman uh, Ashburn rookie? I was looking for one for a while, and uh, I do have one. And that one was actually a gift from the community from someone we talked about earlier before this show. It's okay. Dave Blue Jacket 66. Yeah, Dave likes being he, he's the mo- I think the he's just insanely generous and awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things like I would have been willing that straight up buy it's PSA 2. It's a good looking 2 though. Oh yeah. And the grade like whatever, just you know, cover it up like Right. I mean, obviously I care about the grade to a degree, but I don't care about it because a lot of my vintage cards, I honestly forget what it's graded. I'll be like, is my satchel page a one or two or two and a half? Like, I don't, you have the card, you enjoy the card. Like the grade is important as a price point for me. That's just to know kind of what's the going market. Cause you certainly don't want to, overpay if you don't have to right um so if the card looks good who cares if it's a two or a seven you know if it's if they draw a mustache on richie ashburn then maybe it's more problematic there's a 50 bowman richie ashburn nice. huge fan of that card as well obviously i like collecting ashburn a lot. i just grabbed a small handful but you have all these aspects of team collecting where it gives you a reason to pick up you know, Willie Mays. 
59 tops NL hitting yeah. powers or in a seven. And at the time I probably got that for like 20 bucks. I don't know what that goes for now, but, right. and there's so many cool oddball cards you can pick up. There's Dixie lids from 54. Pick that one up at the Philly show. And you know what? Jim Coker. I honestly don't know a whole lot about him, but how's that not a cool card? You got a cool background. You have him in the catching stance. You got the rookie cup, like PSA. Again, you can get really good deals on these cards from time to time. Maybe a year or two ago, maybe it was tough. I think prices have normalized a lot on some of the more common stuff right now. And a couple of years ago, like that's a card I probably bought for like 10 bucks. I mean, how can you go wrong for that to add a cool card to your collection? Yeah. So many, uh, different ways to you know collect 64 top stand-ups great yep. set and johnny, callison, johnny callison okay johnny callison who's like i remember as a kid just always hearing about johnny callison the home run he hit i guess he hit a he had a home run in the all-star game back in i believe it was 64 and people always talking about that growing up and then he worked at a local bar and so it's fun collecting guys like that. Like, listen, I like collecting Hall of Famers as much as anyone, but you can also, there's different aspects of collecting. You can collect teams Hall of Famers. I don't, I'm sure the Rangers have something. The Phillies have their wall of fame. Like there's just other ways to build your own little sets. Of course, Robin Roberts, who I think is very overlooked in the hobby. Totally agree. But all time great Philly. And I mean, what an incredible looking card there. And there's even guys who are well-known in baseball that people forget and they don't even realize, like Bob Euchre, Phillies. So it's fun collecting stuff like that. Gene Mock, manager of the 64 Phillies, at one time was the biggest collapse to lose a playoff spot, but thankfully the Mets came along. I think <laughs> someone else might have uh, broken that. Dallas Green, I mean, again, Philadelphia legend. He was a player. He was a manager. Manager of the 80 Phillies World Series team. General manager. Johnny uh, Callison again with West Covington. My dad was a big West Covington fan when he was younger. And, I mean, these are all I get vintage stuff, but I have a ton of pre-war as well, which is fun to collect. Del Ennis. 48 Leaf. 50s Drake. Eddie Wakis, cool set there. And of Eddie course, Wakis, who the natural was done after. Yep. And the back of this card is hilarious. It says something about him being shot by a deranged girl. It's yeah. Great card. It says that on his 50 or 49 Bowman as well. And then of course, you know, non hall of famer, Richie Allen. This is one of a stack of rookies I have of him, but are you, hopefully uh, someday he'll get in. Are you a Dick Allen for the hall of fame guy? For sure. And I thought, you know, this year would have been the year, but it wasn't. So we'll see with the new setup, if or when. But I, th I think he deserves it too, by the way. I'm a I'm a pro Dick Allen fan. So um okay, so then you shifted you, you showed a few pre-war cards. Is it are you trying to go? I'm trying to get at least one Phillies example from every set that I can. If I see it and it's a pretty, good deal. Pretty, pretty much at this point, like it started yeah. out just picking up stuff. Oh, that's a good deal. Oh, that's cool. And now it's like, all right, I'd like to get one example from just about every set made. Obviously, there's a few sets out there that are so rare. It's like, 
I mean, I guess if I win the lottery and I can throw $10,000 on a card, I, you know, perhaps I'll do it. And especially not, you know, we're not talking about Babe Ruth rookies or something, but, uh, you know, I do the best I can with that. So it's, uh, it's fun. But the other thing is you look the, you look these guys up. Do you have so many ways to look up at least some information about these players, whether it's a really small article on Wikipedia or baseball reference, kind of looking at their stats, looking to see where they, you know, how their career evolved. You start, you know, Hey, this guy had, you know, led the league in this or something. It's something kind of cool. It's fun to follow. Um, and then, yeah, the Wikipedias are kind of fun on some of those guys too. You'll read stuff like, Oh, after his playing career, he moved to Georgia and became a peach farmer and stuff like stuff like that. And it's just like, that doesn't happen with today's athletes very much, but you learn something. So it's, it's fun to do that research and just to see these different examples is incredibly fun. Uh, Do you have any T206 stuff, T205s, like tobacco type era? Oh yeah. I don't have any of them handy, but of course I, I do have, I showed this off in a recent video, so this didn't go away yet, but this is one of my more recent pickups. 1895 mayo cut plug so that's so cool that you're picking up the whole franchise history what are some advice pieces of advice that you would give to other people that love a team and and are going man i've thought about this but i don't know how to get started or just some thoughts as a team collector i would just start picking up some stuff but you know, start out with lower grade stuff, start out with the bargain deals. Cause you can always upgrade a card if you choose to do so. I mean, I feel like you got to get a start somewhere. So you pick up a few cards and you start looking at it and start doing some of the research and reading about it. And next thing you know, you pick up some of the books with pictures of the different, I forget what the one book's called, uh, the one bigger oversized book. And it's awesome. You just flip through it, all the different examples, And I think the more research you do on some of the products, the more you learn, the more you learn, the more confident you feel, the more confident you feel kind of the more fun you're having with it. So that's like, that's what I'll do at the national this year. Like I'm, I'm going there to hang out with people first and foremost and have a good time. And, you know, I'm sure I'll look to move some stuff and pick up some stuff and I'll pick up some modern things here and there if I see a great deal, but that stuff's usually pretty, easy to find on eBay. A lot of the pre-war stuff you don't see on eBay that much. Most of it, the rare stuff's going to go to auction houses, which I've started to do a better job of following. I finally, you know, bit the bullet and signed up for VCP for just a feature to follow cards and get, you know, rec uh, announcements when cards are listed that are on your watch list is like worth it just for that, let alone being able to look up all the sales data. And that's the thing with the pre-war stuff. Like you look up and you're like, Oh cool. That card hasn't sold in three years. So I guess I got to decide I either want it or I don't. So that's something you have to kind of factor in the vintage is a little easier, a little cheaper. Like you're going to find most cards on eBay kind of pretty often. And at the national, you'll probably find, you know, some raw commons, pretty affordable prices or other local shows. So, I mean, I would start cheap beater condition and then kind of work your way up from there. See kind of if you enjoy it. Some people start doing the set and they just don't finish. They either get sidetracked, but even me, when I was building the set, like, of course I'd be excited, buy a bunch of cards, kind of take a break. You get busy. Next thing you know, you pick up a few more and just find your way through it. Yeah. I think, 
great point about being patient with it. Don't feel like you have to do it all at once. Um, and I, I love the idea you said earlier, the team hall of fame, you know, if you think, well, where do I want to start? Well, let's start with the best players in that, in this franchise's history, whatever it is, getting their rookie cards or getting their first card with the, with that team, you know, uh, there's so many ways to kind of insert yourself into the team collector realm, uh, and so many ways to enjoy it too. Like I'm, I was a buddy bell, Jim Sunberg guy growing up. They, they weren't, they're team hall of famers for sure. They're not hall of fame, hall of famers. Um, guys like Al Oliver that played for the Rangers, but, and we had guys like Fergie Jenkins and Burt Blylevin, and Gaylord Perry pitch for us and Nolan Ryan, you know, so each franchise has its own unique story. They have some great players. They have some never made it like all of them do. And, you know, you can either get all of them or, you know, just get guys you remember, get, you know, there's just so many ways to, to do that. It, which is true of all things in the hobby, really, if we think about it, there's, there's no right way to collect. There's no wrong way to collect kind of mentality that a lot of us have. Um, and so I just, I love that the team collecting thing is also one of those things that gives so many ways to enjoy it. And it's a way to connect. Like you, it's, it's very nostalgic, which is part of the reason we collect and collecting vintage and such. And even if you're collecting from, it doesn't matter what era, like if, if you're 20 years old right now and you're collecting a card from 10 years ago and you're like, Oh, I remember that card from 10 years ago. Or if you know, you're doing the same thing with nineties or eighties, you know, you can even have that bigger connection with collecting teams. Cause you're going to have more vivid memories. Like, man, I remember I was at a game when that guy hit a walk-off home run. It might've been the only moment of his career, but like that brings back a memory of where you were, maybe who you were with such. And like you connect with either family or friends, like, Sometimes it's fun collecting the guys who stunk. It's just funny. Like in the moment, it's frustrating watching some of these guys who hung around for a few years. Like, man, this guy can't hit at all. But then, you know, 20 years goes by and there's a few guys who are in some of these Phillies team sets who are just terrible. And like, I'll joke around with our buddy Ed, like, hey, Ricky Otero, terrible center fielder for the Phillies for a few years. Or one of my brothers always bring up Desi Relaford, a shortstop for the Phillies in the late 90s. I'm like, hey, I got a Desi Relaford card right here. It's like, that guy had a card? <laughs> or Steve Jeltz. Steve Jeltz has a connection to Pepino Man, uh, famous in this uh, community. It was the last card he needed for one of his sets. So he'll always bring up Steve Jeltz. And then like when I see Steve Jeltz in my team set, I'm like, oh, I instantly think about Pepino Man and the fact that you know Steve Jeltz would struggle to hit 175 so it's it's funny <laughs> that's awesome and you um, brought up the hall of famers too that's pretty cool too like the uh 2009 tops update set has pedro martinez last card in a phillies you like stuff like that i find unique and cool and it's like it was fun to see him you know in the twilight of his career pitch some really good games for the phillies you know your average baseball fan might not have strong memories of him as a Philly, but as a Phillies fan, I remember it. Like he pitched an incredible game against a giant Sunday night baseball back in that season. And it was just like crazy fun to uh, watch. And I think about it, I'm like, damn, I was like really lucky to be at that game and see a hall of famer towards the end of his career, go toe to toe with Tim Lincecum in like a two hour and two minute two nothing game. It, it, it's fun. That's what makes yeah. makes collecting fun. You got to collect what you love, love what you collect. I have that card too. 
Yeah, I remember you were uh, getting some graded, I think, for your uh, player run. Um, not even for my player run. It's my, I got to pull it out now. No pun intended. Don't think that that means what you think it means. But uh, now you're making me want to grab it. Oh, man. The beast. Okay. It's amazing. I can just, I love that I can just turn around and find an 09 top update updates and highlights. Remember that? Updates and highlights. Now it's tops tops update, but it's usually not very updated. And that that was a tough card for me to get, by the way. I think the pop on this is like five. Like yeah, <laughs> there's only five copies graded. It's definitely five low. Copies. I remember I was able to pick up a few of them at one point, but, but you don't see it. Like that's it's weird because update cards from there, it's not like they're flooded in every box. Like you won't see a lot of them. Yeah, and, I, and I'm glad to have it. This is his last tops card, so that's and he had a he did have a heritage card on the Phillies. I think he does. Right? Yep, yes, he does. So, um, sadly, I know that too for some weird reason. <laughs> but uh, man, Mike, thanks for all your insight on team collecting. I hope you guys learned something. Any final thoughts before we head on out of here? I mean, I appreciate you having me. Hopefully, people aren't too sick of hearing about the Phillies, but you know, it's just what you grow up on, right? You have memories of going to the ballpark as a kid and, you know, opening packs of cards and you continue to evolve. And it's fun to collect Mickey Mantle, but it's fun to collect Mike Schmidt as well. It's fun to collect Bryce Harper. It's fun to collect Richie Ashburn. It's fun to collect guys like Chuck Klein, who Hall of Famer, right? And his cards. They're not cheap, but they're not crazy expensive either. So there's a lot of opportunities out there to expand your collecting. Again, it's exciting to collect all these young players now. And I, I truly think the game of baseball right now has just a crazy run of talent. These guys are awesome and they're a lot of fun to watch and they're a lot of fun to collect. But there's so many generations of players that came before them and there's so many opportunities to expand your collection. And I hear it a lot. People are like, well, I never, I like to collect the guys I watch play. And it's like, I get that to a degree, but once you get a taste of it, I feel like you get more and more on top of it. And you can almost feel like you've watched some of these guys. Like, even if you watch like a movie, like 42, of course, Jackie Robinson, right. Featured player in that, but there's so many other players like Pee Wee Reese and, Ralph Branca, like so many guys. And then you can kind of look at their cards and you like, feel like you watch these guys play even the movie 61. Like that's one of those movies I'll pop on and have it on watching it. Like while I'm working on something else. And it's, you kind of like start looking up some of the cards of some of the other players, not just Maris and Mantle. And it, it's fun that way. And you can find actually footage in old games. Like I, I like to do that too. You know, besides watching baseball collector and on the fly with Mike and Ty, you know, you got to watch your bench clear. You got to support, <laughs> got to support enough to uh, get invited onto the uh, golden age of cardboard podcast. But like you can find old footage of games from the fifties and like yeah. just, you don't have to sit there and watch two hours of it, but put it on and watch them at bats. And I've actually found like some videos from like the twenties and thirties clips of Phillies games and like, dude, this is cool. And it actually, once again, brings you a little closer, brings a small connection. So totally just open your mind, 
and enjoy collecting because it's a hell of a lot of fun and aim for AC. Amen to that. Well, that'll be it for this week's episode, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Uh, you know, hit a thumb. I don't care which thumb. If you're watching on YouTube, thumb up, thumb down. More thumbs down just means Michael won't come back again. So maybe that. Hit the thumbs up. <laughs> hit the thumbs up. No. Thanks, Mike, for being here. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'll, I'll see you in a few weeks at the show. All right. See you guys. Keep collecting. <laughs>